Welcome to Verso, an arts and culture podcast from Phillips. I'm your host, Beth Lissick. On each show, we bring together two guests from the art world to have a live, socially distanced conversation about what's on their minds right now. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Charlotte Rabo, 20th century and contemporary art specialist and head of evening sale for Phillips Asia, and Jonathan Crockett, chairman of Phillips Asia. Charlotte and Jonathan, I'm so pleased to be talking to both of you today. I was wondering if you could start by talking about your background in the art world and kind of give us an idea of what paths you took to get to where you are right now. My kind of career with art actually began in university where I studied history of art along with Chinese language. The focus of my studies were actually on Chinese history of art. And because when I was studying, there wasn't any such thing as a Chinese contemporary art market, the course was entirely focused on old Chinese art, so Chinese antiques. After studying at university in London, in Beijing for a couple of years, and at Oxford, I graduated. And it wasn't immediately obvious then which direction I wanted to take my career, even though I I was actually perfectly qualified for a career in the Chinese art world. And it just so happened that an internship opportunity came up at Christie's, and I took it just out of interest. And as soon as I walked in the door, I was was hooked. Uh, I just found my passion and realized that I wanted to develop my career in the art world and have have stayed uh, and pursued that across the course of my career. I started at Christie's in 2003. I subsequently moved to Sotheby's where I um, moved into the Chinese art department. I transferred from Sotheby's London after three years to Sotheby's Hong Kong. And in 2009, I left Sotheby's and set up my own small art advisory company I ran that independently for five years before going back to Sotheby's again, this time in London, and was there for a couple of years before I was asked to come and join Philips and have been here on a very exciting roller coaster ride ever since. And Charlotte, what about you? So my entry into all of this was a little different. I actually did English literature for my degree in university, and that was something that I really wanted to do. I wanted to get into research and writing. And when I moved back to Hong Kong in 2012, there was an opportunity to do a master's degree in cultural management, which essentially is art history mixed with business management. And while I was studying there, I had met actually the CEO of Sotheby's who I got speaking to and I joined Sotheby's Hong Kong for about three years in their contemporary Asian department, uh, which was what it was called at the time. And I was doing a lot of research and writing for them. And actually, it became immediately evident to me that this was actually something that I wanted to do, that I had missed out on this huge opportunity to, you know, get into art, not necessarily from the selling point of view immediately, but to, you know, learn everything I could about it. So I was reading, writing, researching everything I could learn about contemporary Chinese art for the you know most part of three years and then was asked to join Phillips three years after to be in the capacity of a specialist here in what was then later called the contemporary department here and so I've been here four or five years now as well um, on what has been a really really exciting journey. So you guys are 13 hours ahead of me in New York so it's a weekday morning for you you're in the office what does Hong Kong look like right now? Well, I'm looking out the window right now at Hong Kong, and it's a beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. It's pretty much business as usual here. 
uh, apart from the businesses which are affected by all of the lockdowns and those are of course and those any you know related to travel hotels are struggling really the only trade they've got are um, from staycations restaurants bars cinemas they're all closed after 6 p.m but you know day-to-day life is very much as normal people find other ways of doing things like gyms are closed but people go out and go hiking instead and um, we've all found a way to adapt and get used to this new way of living. Same with us here in New York. Charlotte, do you want to talk, can you talk about how some of the restrictions change the art scene and the gallery scene and auction scene? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel as if the art scene in general in Hong Kong has relied a lot more on the internet. So we're seeing a lot more not just transactions, but a lot of engagement that goes on via social media. There's a lot more videos that clients and, you know, and galleries or auction houses are putting out. There's a lot more engagement that has been taken out of the physical realm and been put on the internet. Clients expect a lot more to be put online. So we had a lot of extended content online. And that's something that I see across the board with, you know, with the galleries, with the auction houses, but also independent chats and forums are going on. So everything is still here. Everyone is still very much engaged and very interested. It's just that, you know, it's come out in another form now. Let's go back to the beginning of Philip's in Hong Kong, which was just over five years ago, you were saying, Jonathan, can you talk a bit about the, your vision? What appealed to you about being part of Philips being established in Hong Kong? Well, it was a huge challenge because we're an auction house with a very long history in the West, but with absolutely, well, almost no brand recognition here in Asia. You know, we were competing, uh, we were going to come up against uh, the likes of Sotheby's and Christie's who have been here for over 30, 40 years, um, as well as all the other local auction houses too. Philips, what I found, um, people initially confused us for the, the large electronics company, once we kind of got past that initial stage, the first auction we ever had out here was actually a, a watches auction, which did tremendously well. So brand recognition was the first major challenge that I had to face and to kind of overcome. So what I wanted to do with our first series of sales, which we held in November 2016, was really to introduce to the Asia uh, art collecting community who it is we were. And we came up with the idea of putting together uh, an evening sale of the highest quality material from across all of our collecting categories and selling categories. So that included art, design, editions, photographs, as well as watches and jewelry. You know, it was really a selection of the very best material from across all these genres and The sale was a tremendous success. We built on that, experimenting each season, trying new things, adding things to the uh, roster of um, items on offer. And we have grown the business year on year since. Charlotte, what was it like for you when you came in? I was the first physical member of the contemporary team here when I first joined as a specialist. And I think one thing that really sticks out to us is exactly as Jonathan says, you know, we were here to really introduce something new and we were very, very different with what was on the ground. Our competitors were still called contemporary Asian teams. They really didn't have a strong platform out in Asia to be presenting international artists. So that was definitely something that set us apart. 
one thing that I definitely have seen in the past five years is the hunger for art has just grown and grown and grown. And we've just been very, very successful in being able to capture that and, you know, respond to that interest. The fact that we were coming in against really quite heavy competition. And, you know, I thought that it was important to really come at this from a different angle in order to be, you know, to stand a chance of making it. So we did something completely different. Uh, instead of, you know, traditionally auction houses have been vehicles to allow people to sell the items that they wanted to sell. But that's not Philips. That's not what we do. We instead decided to look at the market to see what people were selling and then to go out there and put together a sale of material that was specifically selected to cater to that demand. So instead of looking for people, uh, you know, material that people were selling, we were looking for material that people were buying. And that really set us apart apart from the competition. We, unlike our competitors, decided to group different material from different collecting categories all together in the same sale. So, you know, whereas the competitors would, would have, you know, very rigid dividing kind of categories, whether it was Chinese ink painting and Chinese modern painting and Chinese contemporary art. We put everything together, whether it was emerging European artists together with Chinese photography, together with mid-century Italian Murano glass chandeliers. It was all together in the same sale. And not only did we put it together in the sale in the catalogue and online, we also displayed it all together in a way that had never really been done before. And that, again, is something that defines us. We're constantly looking for a new angle, a new way of doing things. And and people in Asia love it. It really resonates with them. I was reading about the collaboration that you did with Polly last November. And for those people who don't know, Polly, P-O-L-Y, it's China's largest auction house. And so this was a really successful sale. And I was wondering if you could talk about that. We are a company that likes to try new things we're we're not afraid of experimenting and as we have grown here we have identified areas which needed attention and it became clear we were massively unrepresented in the region of mainland China and an opportunity came to us last summer for this partnership to to happen and so although nothing of the sort has ever been attempted ever before by any other auction house we decided to run with it we only uh, managed to agree to everything in the weeks before the auction but committed to the partnership four months before the sale that really isn't very much time but in the end the idea was really based on us trying to address our need for expanding our foothold brand presence and client reach in mainland china but also at the same time, it helped Polly to gain access to our expertise when it came to international art and also to, to help them to source Western contemporary art for their sale. So it really was a win-win for both sides. And of course, the results speak for themselves. It was our most successful ever auction in Asia. And we set multiple artist records and sold our Yoshitomo Nara painting for the second highest level for the artist ever. And that result in itself was the highest result for any item ever sold for Philips in Asia. And so China is the world's third largest art market and it's growing really rapidly. And I was wondering if you could talk about what 
what factors are bringing new people in and what are people interested in? And more broadly speaking, what makes the Asian art market unique? I think fundamentally collecting has always been something that is very much in, you know, in the, in the culture of, of a Chinese audience or even in an Asian audience, particularly to China, for example, collecting objects of art, antiques, you know, Chinese ceramics, for example, that's been a huge market and a huge part of, you know, the culture of China for many, many decades, centuries. And so what we perceive now as a growth of the art market, I think, is actually an extension of that. It's not necessarily that the art market is this new thing that suddenly people have woken up to the concept of collecting. It's just an extension of what has already been around for years and years and years. And what we're seeing is, I think it's hard to simplify the whole thing, but you know, you have some collectors who are coming from this long history of collecting in general, and they're changing their tastes. There's also that Chinese clients are becoming increasingly, increasingly aware of everything that's going on in the world, extremely well-traveled, extremely well-educated. They're going to massive amounts of art fairs, gallery shows, uh, not just in China. And they're just responding to increasingly international tastes. And I think it's only that now, you know, looking at that growth from an international point of view, that the rest of the world is finally waking up to the fact that, oh, you know, there is this collecting market in in China, but I don't think by any means it's something new. I think it's just that it's ballooned into something else. Although this is a, a local market here, very much driven by the rising wealth in the region, this is a market which is having a major effect on the global um, art collecting uh, market generally. There are artists that we bring to um, ourselves in Hong Kong for the very first time. And there are instances where we set world records for artists at auction here in Asia, you know, Western artists. And we are creating markets that never before existed for these artists. Something will sell to, um, to a collector here, and then all of a sudden their immediate circle will, will want works by the artist and so on and so forth. And suddenly, almost overnight, we find that there, there's huge demand. It affects our demand in our sales in London and, and in New York too. And of course, this spills over into the uh, the other auctions, um, at the other houses, and also into the primary market too. Is there something new that's happening that people are really excited about? I would say that the market here is extremely, extremely sensitive to up-and-coming artists, young artists. Uh, the Chinese market is very, very attuned to what's going on whenever there's a an emerging young artist who comes up the Chinese market is immediately behind it uh, for the most part you know we've seen this with Geneve Figgis when she was having a debut here you know when we set various world records for her it's the same thing when Andy Martinez was quite a huge draw here and everything is very reactive it's its own little ecosystem for example with Eddie Martinez actually that's quite a good point there was a big market for it. There was a lot of hunger for the artists. And then subsequently, you know, there would be museum shows in Shanghai that would also, you know, add and fuel to this demand and interest. And what what about this year, 2021? What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to the resumption of some sort of normality to in-person experiences, whether it's, you know, seeing my family in the UK, uh, catching up with friends, seeing my clients face to face. That, that is something that I do really miss. I think um, something else that might be very exciting for 2021 is to be able to build on the momentum that we 
you know, obviously had cultivated in 2020, we still had live auctions. We still had in-person exhibitions, but, you know, to a smaller scale in 2020. But there was a lot of interest in certain artists, certain markets that we had grown in 2020 just by expanding our online presence, doing a lot of video calls, FaceTime meetings, things like that. And I think what's going to be really exciting in 2021 is to be able to actually build these things that, you know, we had worked so hard on remotely, in a sense, in 2020 and do it in person, finally being able to maybe show someone in person all the art to have, you know, real exhibitions again. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see just in the art scene, in in the world, what it feels like for all of us to get back out there and be normal again. But I think there's going to be this sort of like burst of energy that we're all going to have because we're going to be able to come out of this moment with kind of a renewed sense of passion and purpose and the things that that we love to do. Thanks you guys so much. I, I have one. We end with a wild card question. So just do with this what you will. Okay, here's the wild card question. If you could introduce two artists to each other, one from this century and one from the last, who would it be? And how do you imagine the meeting? I've got a good one. Gosh. <laughs> Charlotte, you're going to love this. There okay. is an artist who seems to be um, gaining appeal here in Asia called Mr. Doodle and I, I, I would love <laughs> I would love it if he could meet the original king of, of street art Keith Herring who you know essentially is, is the guy that Mr. Doodle is aspiring to be or, or is certainly being informed by I think that would really be a very interesting conversation I'm going to google Mr. Doodle now excellent what do you think Charlotte And for me, this is a little strange, but actually it's been something that's been on my mind for a while. I would love if Louise Bourgeois could meet a Japanese artist who is gaining so much momentum at the moment called Shiharu Shiota. Um, A lot of people have been drawing comparisons between them, you know, whether, whether it's just talking about them being female artists, but also being two artists who work a lot with craft and incorporating a lot of tactile elements into their work. And I think that that would have been an amazing, amazing meeting in a sense, as well as, I mean, I would love if Yoyoi Kusama could have met Louise Bourgeois as well. I think, you know, they always get put side by side. So yeah, I'm very, I, I would love if that could have happened actually. Fantastic. Those are great answers, you guys. Thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you for your time. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks for tuning into Verso, an arts and culture podcast from Philips. I hope you'll join us for our next episode. Bye for now. <laughs>